This is section 11 of Mark Twain, A Biography. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Mark Twain, A Biography by Albert Bigelow Payne. Volume 1, Part 1, 1835 to 1866. Chapter 11 Days of Education. Read by John Greenman. The Clemens family had made one or two moves since its arrival in Hannibal, but the identity of these temporary residences and the period of occupation of each can no longer be established. Mark Twain once said, In 1843 my father caught me in a lie. It is not this fact that gives me the date, but the house we lived in we were there only a year we may believe it was the active result of that lie that fixed his memory of the place for his father seldom punished him when he did it was a thorough and satisfactory performance it was about the period of moving into the new house eighteen forty four that the tom sawyer days that is to say the boyhood of samuel clemens may be said to have begun up to that time he was just little sam a child wild and mischievous often exasperating but still a child a delicate little lad to be worried over mothered or spanked and put to bed now at nine he had acquired health with a sturdy ability to look out for himself as boys will in a community like that especially where the family is rather larger than the income and there is still a younger child to claim a mother's protecting care so sam as they now called him grew up at nine and was full of knowledge for his years not that he was old in spirit or manner he was never that even to his death but he had learned a great number of things mostly of a kind not acquired at school they were not always of a pleasant kind they were likely to be of a kind startling to a boy, even terrifying. Once little Sam—he was still little Sam then—saw an old man shot down on the main street at noonday. He saw them carry him home, lay him on the bed, and spread on his breast an open family Bible, which looked as heavy as an anvil. He thought if he could only drag that great burden away the poor old dying man would not breathe so heavily he saw a young emigrant stabbed with a bowie knife by a drunken comrade and noted the spurt of life-blood that followed he saw two young men try to kill their uncle one holding him while the other snapped repeatedly an allen revolver which failed to go off then there was the drunken rowdy who proposed to raid the welshman's house one dark threatening night he saw that too a widow and her one daughter lived there and the ruffian woke the whole village with his coarse challenges and obscenities. Sam Clemens and a boon companion, John Briggs, went up there to look and listen. The man was at the gate, and the warren were invisible in the shadow of the dark porch. The boys heard the elder woman's voice warning the man that she had a loaded gun, and that she would kill him if he stayed where he was. He replied with a ribald tirade, and she warned that she would count ten that if he remained a second longer she would fire she began slowly and counted up to five with him laughing and jeering at six he grew silent but he did not go she counted on seven eight nine 
the boys watching from the dark roadside felt their hearts stop there was a long pause then the final count followed a second later by a gush of flame the man dropped his breast riddled at the same instant the thunderstorm that had been gathering broke loose the boys fled wildly believing that satan himself had arrived to claim the lost soul many such instances happened in a town like that in those days and there were events incident to slavery he saw a slave struck down and killed with a piece of slag for a trifling offense he saw an abolitionist attacked by a mob and they would have lynched him had not a methodist minister defended him on a plea that he must be crazy he did not remember in later years that he had ever seen a slave auction but he added i am suspicious that it is because the thing was a commonplace spectacle and not an uncommon or impressive one i do vividly remember seeing a dozen black men and women chained together lying in a group on the pavement waiting shipment to a southern slave market they had the saddest faces i ever saw it is not surprising that a boy would gather a store of human knowledge amid such happenings as these they were wild disturbing things they got into his dreams and made him fearful when he woke in the middle of the night he did not then regard them as an education in some vague way he set them down as warnings or punishments designed to give him a taste for a better life he felt that it was his own conscience that made these things torture him that was his mother's idea and he had a high respect for her moral opinions also for her courage among other things he had seen her one day defy a vicious devil of a corsican a common terror in the town who was chasing his grown daughter with a heavy rope in his hand declaring he would wear it out on her cautious citizens got out of her way but jane clemens opened her door wide to the refugee and then instead of rushing in and closing it spread her arms across it barring the way the man swore and threatened her with the rope but she did not flinch or show any sign of fear she stood there and shamed him and derided him and defied him until he gave up the rope and slunk off crestfallen and conquered anyone who could do that must have a perfect conscience sam thought in the fearsome darkness he would say his prayers especially when a thunderstorm was coming and vow to begin a better life in the morning he detested sunday school as much as day school and once orion who was moral and religious had threatened to drag him there by the collar but as the thunder got louder sam decided that he loved sunday school and would go the next sunday without being invited fortunately there were pleasanter things than these there were picnics sometimes and ferry-boat excursions once there was a great fourth of july celebration at which it was said a real revolutionary soldier was to be present some one had discovered him living alone seven or eight miles in the country but this feature proved a disappointment for when the day came and he was triumphantly brought in he turned out to be a hessian and was allowed to walk home 
the hills and woods around hannibal where with his playmates he roamed almost at will were never disappointing there was the cave with its marvels there was bear creek where after repeated accidents he had learned to swim it had cost him heavily to learn to swim he had seen two playmates drown also time and again he had himself been dragged ashore more dead than alive once by a slave girl another time by a slave man neil champ of the pavey hotel in the end he had conquered he could swim better than any boy in town of his age it was the river that meant more to him than all the rest its charm was permanent it was the path of adventure the gateway to the world the river with its islands its great slow-moving rafts its marvelous steamboats that were like fairyland its stately current swinging to the sea he would sit by it for hours and dream he would venture out on it in a surreptitiously borrowed boat when he was barely strong enough to lift an oar out of the water he learned to know all its moods and phases he felt its kinship in some occult way he may have known it as his prototype that resistless tide of life with its ever-changing sweep its shifting shores its depths its shadows its gorgeous sunset hues its solemn and tranquil entrance to the sea his hunger for the life aboard the steamers became a passion to be even the humblest employee of one of those floating enchantments would be enough to be an officer would be to enter heaven to be a pilot was to be a god you can hardly imagine what it meant he reflected once to a boy in those days shut in as we were to see those steamboats pass up and down and never to take a trip on them he had reached the mature age of nine when he could endure this no longer one day when the big packet came down and stopped at hannibal he slipped aboard and crept under one of the boats on the upper deck presently the signal bells rang the steamboat backed away and swung into midstream he was really going at last he crept from beneath the boat and sat looking out over the water and enjoying the scenery then it began to rain a terrific downpour he crept back under the boat but his legs were outside and one of the crew saw him so he was taken down into the cabin and at the next stop set ashore it was the town of louisiana and there were lampton relatives there who took him home jane clemens declared that his father had got to take him in hand which he did doubtless impressing the adventure on him in the usual way these were all educational things then there was always the farm where entertainment was no longer a matter of girl plays and swings with a colored nurse following about but of manlier sports with his older boy cousins who had a gun and went hunting with the men for squirrels and partridges by day for coons and possums by night sometimes the little boy had followed the hunters all night long and returned with them through the sparkling and fragrant morning fresh hungry and triumphant just in time for breakfast so it is no wonder that at nine he was no longer little sam but sam clemens quite mature and self-dependent with a wide knowledge of men and things 
and a variety of accomplishments. He had even learned to smoke a little out there on the farm, and had tried tobacco-chewing, though that was a failure. He had been stung to this effort by a big girl at a school which, with his cousin Puss, he sometimes briefly attended. "'Do you use terbacker?" the big girl had asked, meaning, did he chew it? "'No,' he said, abashed at the confession. "'Ha!' she cried to the other scholars. "'Here's a boy that can't chaw terbacker." Degraded and ashamed, he tried to correct his fault, but it only made him very ill, and he did not try it again. He had also acquired the use of certain strong, expressive words, and used them, sometimes, when his mother was safely distant. He had an impression that she would skin him alive if she heard him swear. His education had doubtful spots in it, but it had provided wisdom. He was not a particularly attractive lad. He was not tall for his years, and his head was somewhat too large for his body. He had a great ruck of light, sandy hair, which he plastered down to keep it from curling, keen blue-gray eyes and rather large features. Still he had a fair, delicate complexion, when it was not blackened by grime or tan, a gentle, winning manner, a smile that, with his slow, measured way of speaking, made him a favorite with his companions. He did not speak much, and his mental attainments were not highly regarded. But for some reason, whenever he did speak, every playmate in hearing stopped whatever he was doing and listened. Perhaps it would be a plan for a new game or lark. Perhaps it was something droll. Perhaps it was just a commonplace remark that his peculiar drawl made amusing. Whatever it was, they considered it worthwhile. His mother always referred to his slow fashion of speaking as Sammy's long talk. Her own speech was still more deliberate, but she seemed not to notice it. Henry, a much handsomer lad and regarded as far more promising, did not have it. He was a lovable, obedient little fellow whom the mischievous Sam took delight in teasing. For this and other reasons, the latter's punishments were frequent enough, perhaps not always deserved. Sometimes he charged his mother with partiality. He would say, Yes, no matter what it is, I am always the one to get punished. And his mother would answer, Well, Sam, if you didn't deserve it for that, you did for something else. Henry Clemens became the Sid of Tom Sawyer, though Henry was in every way a finer character than Sid. His brother Sam always loved him and fought for him oftener than with him. With the death of Benjamin Clemens, Henry and Sam were naturally drawn much closer together, though Sam could seldom resist the temptation of tormenting Henry. A schoolmate, George Butler, he was a nephew of General Butler and afterward fought bravely in the Civil War, had a little blue suit with a leather belt to match, and was the envy of all. Mrs. Clemens finally made Sam and Henry suits of blue cotton velvet, and the next Sunday, after various services were over, the two sauntered about, shedding glory for a time, finally going for a stroll in the woods. They walked along properly enough, at first, 
then just ahead sam spied the stump of a newly cut tree and with a wild whooping impulse took a running leap over it there were splinters on the stump where the tree had broken away but he cleared them neatly henry wanted to match the performance but was afraid to try so sam dared him he kept daring him until henry was goaded to the attempt he cleared the stump but the highest splinters caught the slack of his little blue trousers and the cloth gave way he escaped injury but the precious trousers were damaged almost beyond repair sam with a boy's heartlessness was fairly rolling on the ground with laughter at henry's appearance cottontail rabbit he shouted cottontail rabbit while henry weeping set out for home by a circuitous and unfrequented road let us hope if there was punishment for this mishap it fell in the proper locality these two brothers were of widely different temperament henry even as a little boy was sturdy industrious and dependable sam was volatile and elusive his industry of an erratic kind once his father set him to work with a hatchet to remove some plaster he hacked at it for a time well enough then lay down on the floor of the room and threw his hatchet at such areas of the plaster as were not in easy reach henry would have worked steadily at a task like that until the last bit was removed and the room swept clean the home incidents in tom sawyer most of them really happened sam clemens did clod henry for getting him into trouble about the colored thread with which he sewed his shirt when he came home from swimming he did inveigle a lot of boys into whitewashing a fence for him he did give painkiller to peter the cat there was a cholera scare that year and painkiller was regarded as a preventive sam had been ordered to take it liberally and perhaps thought peter too should be safeguarded as for escaping punishment for his misdeeds in the manner described in that book this was a daily matter and the methods adapted themselves to the conditions in the introduction to tom sawyer mark twain confesses to the general truth of the history and to the reality of its characters huck finn was drawn from life he tells us tom sawyer also but not from an individual he is a combination of the characteristics of three boys whom i knew the three boys were himself chiefly and in a lesser degree john briggs and will bowen john briggs was also the original of joe harper in that book as for huck finn his original was tom blankenship neither elaborated nor qualified there were several of the blankenships there was old ben the father who had succeeded general Gaines as the town drunkard young ben the eldest son a hard case with certain good traits and tom that is to say huck who was just as he is described in tom sawyer a ruin of rags a river rat an irresponsible bit of human drift kind of heart and possessing that priceless boon absolute unaccountability of conduct to any living soul he could come and go as he chose he never had to work or go to school he could do all things good or bad 
that the other boys longed to do and were forbidden. He represented to them the very embodiment of liberty, and his general knowledge of important matters such as fishing, hunting, trapping, and all manner of signs and spells and hoodoos and incantations made him immensely valuable as a companion. The fact that his society was prohibited gave it a vastly added charm. The Blankenships picked up a precarious living fishing and hunting, and lived at first in a miserable house of bark under a tree, but later moved into quite a pretentious building back of the new Clements home on Hill Street. It was really an old barn of a place, poor and ramshackle even then, but now, more than sixty years later, a part of it is still standing. The siding of the part that stands is of black walnut, which must have been very plentiful in that long-ago time. Old drunken Ben Blankenship never dreamed that pieces of his house would be carried off as relics because of the literary fame of his son Tom, a fame founded on irresponsibility and inconsequence. Orion Clemens, who was concerned with missionary work about this time, undertook to improve the Blankenship spiritually. Sam adopted them outright, and took them to his heart. He was likely to be there at any hour of the day, and he and Tom had catcall signals at night which would bring him out on the back single-story roof, and down a little arbor and flight of steps, to a group of boon companions which, besides Tom, included John Briggs, the Bowen boys, Will Pitts, and one or two other congenial spirits. They were not vicious boys, they were not really bad boys. They were only mischievous, fun-loving boys, thoughtless and rather disregardful of the comforts and the rights of others. End of chapter 11 Days of Education Read by John Greenman